0: For the Cubs Corner, the host, Anthony Pasquale. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Cubs Corner. My name is Anthony Pasquale. As always, this episode is brought to you by Coach's Bar and Grill. Coach's is located at 6169 North Northwest Highway on the northwest side of Chicago. I've been in there a few times recently. Always great food. The people who own the place are just great. Make sure you uh, get out to coaches however you can with the new restrictions in place. This is, of course, another off-season edition as the Cubs were swept out of the playoffs what feels like forever ago. We recapped on the last episode, the Dodgers have won the World Series. Now we're on full off-season mode, and with that, I thought it would be a good chance to do our first edition of some fan questions for me to answer as this off-season gets underway. First and foremost... This was an issue that was exposed in the playoffs, but with the batting averages for the Cubs and kind of across the board, do you think the Cubs will start looking better at bats instead of the launch angle approach? Um, This is is a question that was pretty much answered by Theo Epstein in the off-season press conference uh, following the season's end when he said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. This Cubs team has... Cubs team has done the same thing over and over again and that's been swinging and missing too much not getting on base enough relying too much on the home run ball trying to pop it up and as a result not being able to score runs especially against good pitching and especially in the playoffs I think they've scored one run in their last 20 something innings in the playoffs haven't won a playoff game since 2017 obviously that needs to change Maybe a potential answer to that is getting more guys that put the ball in play. The Cubs have been noted to be one of the worst teams in terms of contact rate over the last couple of seasons. So getting that issue corrected is definitely a goal for this off offseason. Um, but the launch angle approach, analytics, all that, I know it took a big hit during the World Series, but that approach statistically has proven to work. Chris Bryan is a big advocate of that. Um, I've had his dad on the podcast. You all have listened. He says... A much higher percentage of balls in the air lead to hits as opposed to balls on the ground. And the only way to get, out of the, get the ball out of the ballpark is to lift it. You know Chris has one of those big uppercut swings. But aside from this year, he had been able to also hit for average. The entire Cubs team struggled for average. Whether that was blamed on COVID, not being able to watch video in between at-bats or whatever it was, no player was really close to their usual average. The only one was Wilson Contreras, and he was still below his average Anthony Rizzo was over almost 100 points below his average Chris Bryant Javi Baez and Kyle Schwarber all hung around 200 which is way below what they're expecting and what they're usually giving so I think you will look at a Cubs lineup that is going to look a little bit different down the line going to lead to more hits more people on base, hopefully leading to more runs for the for the big boppers to drive in. That is, if they're with us on opening day, which we'll get to later. But next question: Who do you think will make the starting rotation for next season? Well, the obvious answer one and two you have you Darvish and Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks, excuse me, both of them coming off of great seasons, sub three RAs, You Darvish might win a Cy Young in a couple of days. Um, I would give the award to Trevor Bauer, but nonetheless, Darvish pitched phenomenally. Hendricks and Darvish are both under contract for a couple more years. Um, with that, it looks like the third starter, it, through five starter, is up for grabs. Um, we all know the, the great gesture, Lest, gesture, excuse me, that John Lester did by spending almost forty grand, I think, on, on beers for Chicago to say thank you. But still a possibility they bring him back. They declined his twenty-five a year option and bought him out for 10 mil, might still sign him for about five or 10 to bring him back as the third starter. I think Alec Mills has a great opportunity. He's coming off a season where he was named as a gold glove finalist, pitched a no hitter, had a solid ERA. And then you've got Adbert Alzali, who finished the season on a really strong note with a 2.95 ERA, has about three or four plus pitches, and really looks like a guy that can grow in his third season. So keep an eye on him. Um, that would be five, and they'd all be five guys that were on the team this year. We don't know the type of budget that the Cubs are going to have to go spend. We don't know what the landscape of free agency is going to look like or what some of these other starting pitchers are going to command deal-wise. Robbie Ray just signed a one-year 8 mil. The Cubs could probably afford something like that, so keep an eye on those lower-tier starting pitchers. I don't expect them to be involved in the the Trevor Bowers of the world, Um, but if they do, that could just bolster this rotation. Next question. What's the likelihood that Hayward could be moved? Um, everyone in baseball knows the Cubs want that contract off the books, no matter how well he bounced back is the full question. If you subscribe to the whole buy low, sell high theory, now is a perfect time to trade Hayward. Um, probably a good time to trade Hap too, but I don't see either of those two things happening. I think first and foremost, the contract would be really hard for any team to take, especially during the pandemic and, uh, the question marks surrounding the economics of each team and the entire landscape of baseball. Um, but Hayward's also coming off one of his best years, both offensively and defensively. Named a finalist for the gold glove, didn't win it, but obviously his defense is great. Had a 392 on base for the season. He's one of those guys that really helps glue the clubhouse together. I think he's a guy they keep. Um, and ride the rest of the contract out, whether or not it was a good one or not. How about this one? This team now needs so much despite winning a very, very weak division. We now have to rethink, restructure our bats and lineup. Cannot have many more seasons with this type of offensive production. I I mean, I answered this similarly earlier. Um, This team does have some glaring holes offensively. Too many strikeouts, lack of contact. They don't get on base enough, um, and they don't situationally hit. But who who's the guy that you want to replace so bad in this lineup? There really isn't a guy that you would say, that's the weakness right there. Because on some days, Schwarber goes two for four with two bombs. you know. So it's hard to figure out um, unless you just restructure the entire lineup, which is, I think, an option for Theo Epstein and the Cubs during this offseason. Um, they definitely need to get a guy on the top of the order, can set the table consistently. I think Hap could be that guy, um, but with the way Hap was hitting, maybe you want to drop him to two or something like that. The Chris Bryan experiment at the leadoff spot didn't quite work. And this team has struggled to develop talent aside for the, from the really big guys. Um, so you should expect a little bit of a different lineup there. I don't think you have to restructure all that much. I think this division is still very winnable in 2021. And then I think that's when you kind of shift into the new younger guys coming in. Nico Horner taking a big role, Albert Alzali being a big part of that starting rotation. Um, They've got some solid prospects. It's not what the system used to be, but it's better than it has been. Brennan Davis, Ed Howard, Braylon Marquez, just to name a few of guys that could come in and, and become good players. This is a gap year. It really is. And I think in a gap year, if your division is still winnable, you might as well try to win it. That's at least my opinion. Next question there. How many times will fans say, trade Bryant? I think it's one of the more popular things that we're going to hear in this offseason, quite frankly. However, I don't think it's a great idea. Um, first of all, again, with the buy low, sell high, uh, Brian is coming off possibly, or no, not even possibly. It was his worst season at the plate. He battled multiple injuries, you know, the shoulder, the wrist. Um, I mean, it had a lot going in the wrong direction for him, so... And he's one year closer to free agency, so trading him right now would be harder to get anything back for the Cubs. If you're trying to trade him just for the sake of getting rid of him, just for the sake of clearing some money off the cap, sure, go ahead. But he's a much better player than he showed last year. And I think if you want to trade him, give him until the, the trade deadline to build up his value and then send him a team that is more desperate to go get that player that player to push him over the edge at the trade deadline. Let, you know, Let's say you're the Braves. You're leading the NL East, but you just need a third baseman to push you over the edge. Go get a former MVP Chris Bryant and ditch some of that great farm system to the Cubs so they can build back up in a few years. Maybe that's the more um, the more wise move, I would say. But you guys all know on this show, Bryant is one of my favorite players. Um, I think he gets overlooked for but he's one of the most consistent and five-tool type players. He doesn't have the hype of Javi or the consistency of Rizzo, but he's solid. All around a solid player. Got the power. He's got underrated speed. His defense is up metric-wise from any season before during the season that he was injured. He's he's versatile. Um, I'd like to see him stay in Chicago rather than have his days in Chicago be numbered, but I guess we'll all see. Next one, it's time to blow up this thing, right? It's stale as hell and doesn't work move some key pieces for a good return. This team is obviously loaded with talent, um, and I think they could still win the division, get to the playoffs, and, and at least keep some of the core together for the next good Cubs team. So I hate blowing it up. Um, I don't think you could sell to this this organization that waited so long for a win, World Series win, I mean, and that bought into this big rebuild plan of tearing it down, being terrible for a few years, and then being great for sustained success. It can't be sustained success if you tear it down every five years. That's not going to work. So I think blowing it up is not, not what it's going to be. Obviously, the last four seasons have ended the same exact way. It's been disappointing. It's been the same players who have struggled in crunch time. But you have to realize these players are solid. They're talented. And first of all, the Cubs should be able to get something good in return if they decide to trade them. But also, like I said, a lot of these players are coming off bad years, only have one year of control left. Maybe you can extend them cheaper. Maybe you can squeeze everything you have out of these guys and then extend them. Maybe you could squeeze everything you had out of them and trade them for something better than you would get right now. It's, there are so many unknowns with the pandemic and the economics of baseball right now that I don't think blowing it up or even shipping all these guys off right now is a great idea. I think if you wait a little bit, you could at least maximize your returns. If not, see more out of these guys and make your decisions if you want to keep them as well. Next question, how many pitching and hitting coaches does it take before fans realize that's not the problem? It's not the fans that have to realize it, it's the organization. The hitting coach assistants, hitting coaches, pitching coaches have been changed almost more than any organization over these last four years that have seen the season end the same way. Um... So so it's got to be the front office realizing that, hey, maybe these players just aren't the ones getting it done. We can't keep blaming Termal Sledge and Chili Davis and Anthony Iaposi and and all these guys, Chris Boswell Basio, and all these guys that we keep getting rid of. The fact of the matter is the players aren't doing the job. So you got to see that, you know, Theo said, production over potential. He's got to act on it. And this offseason is going to be huge because it might be his last one in Chicago. Next one here, trade Contreras and get a top of the rotation pitcher. Hmm. Well, first of all, this is more of a demand than a question, but um, it's, it's one I don't agree with. I think Contreras is one of the most talented and complete backstops in the league. Obviously, he's got the power, he's got the flair, the energy, the rocket of the arm, but he he was a finalist for a gold glove this year. The defense can't be a knock on this guy anymore. He's a complete catcher. He would return something big, but I also think he's young. He's got two years left of control. I think he's one of these guys that the Cubs can use to bridge the gap between the next era of good Cubs. All these young pitchers getting used to Contreras and having them be their guy as they come into the big leagues, start succeeding while Contreras is almost a star in this league I think it makes way too much sense to keep Contreras. I understand you've got a really good um, backup in Victor Caratini, but we don't know what he would do in a full season. And you know the staff really likes Contreras. Everybody likes Contreras in Chicago. As much as the Cubs would like a top-of-the-rotation pitcher, I would argue they already have two. And there aren't many all-star catchers around in the league. In fact, there's only six every year, and Contreras has been one the last few years. So I think you keep your all-star catcher. I really do. Next question, will they sign Chris Bryant to a long-term deal? And if they do, will it make sense? We kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. Bryant, you know, he's documented that he wants to stay in Chicago. The Cubs have said they want to sign him. So there's no disconnect there. Would it make sense for the Cubs to sign a former MVP, rookie of the year, very versatile player, um, quiet, stays out of trouble, runs the base as well? hits the ball for power, has some speed, was part of one of the most influential teams in history, one of the best Cubs ever? Yeah, I think that would make sense. But does it make sense to invest in a guy that has had the last few seasons riddled by injuries and hasn't put up quite the same numbers as he did in 2016? That's, that's another question, another big question to answer. Is this who he is now, an injury-prone player who's got his flashes but isn't a star Or will he return to that stardom? You don't know that. And you also don't know what type of deal he's going to be asking for during these economics of baseball. I know I keep saying that a lot, but that is such a big unknown. It factors into all of these questions. Does him having a kid now matter? Does he want to raise that kid in Chicago? That's a big question as well. Um, But the fact of the matter is, I don't think signing him is their number one priority right now i don't think trading him is their number one priority now i think the bryant status will lay kind of flat around opening day uh spring training we might get the extension talk and then maybe trade deadline some trade talk but i don't think it's going to happen extremely quick um i think out of the core guys kyle Schwarber is probably most likely to go because he fits with this team the least moving forward in my opinion I think Wilson Contreras would have one of the biggest returns, especially since he has two years left, but I already said I don't want to get rid of him. I think Javi and Rizzo are the guys the Cubs are targeting to keep. Um, Rizzo as he grows older and Javi as he's still a stud in this league. So that's kind of where I stand on that that core five. Um, The free agent market really hasn't even heated up yet, so it's hard to tell um, what type of guys the Cubs are going to be going after too, because... You know, if you go out and sign a first baseman, hey, maybe Rizzo's on the way out. Or if you go and get another catcher, maybe they're trying to ship Contreras or, uh, or Caratini. If you get an outfielder, yeah, you know, you're going to be keeping Hayward. You're going to be keeping Hap. Maybe that means Schwarber's going. Maybe that means Schwarber's going to be a full-time DH. We don't know. Maybe they go sign a DH. That would really make it look bleak for Schwarber. So we'll see how it looks. I would guess out of that, that core five, Contreras, Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Schwarber, Schwarber is most likely to not be on the team come opening day, in my opinion. And finally, the last question is kind of a World Series-based one. Nine different Dodgers have hit home runs in the World Series. Do we have nine guys like that who show some discipline? If you think about it, the Cubs really do have a deep lineup. Um, you know, you got Hap, Bryant, Rizzo, Javi, Contreras, Schwarber, Hayward, Horner, and I think that's nine. I might be be missing DH, maybe Caratini, Cameron Maben, Kipnis, whoever that was this year Um, might not be the same next year. But obviously a lot of these guys had down years. A lot of these guys had terrible years for their metrics. So you can't judge that lineup off of one year when you've seen what they've put together in the past. If Hap plays the way he had this year— Hayward keeps what he's doing. The rest of the guys return to what they're accustomed to and you get a breakout from Horner or you get some consistency from Horner, solid from Horner. That lineup is really, really good. Um, but they haven't shown it. They haven't been consistent. I understand that. I'm not just going to blow smoke up on this team's potential when you need to see production. And they didn't show it in 2020. A lot of factors might have contributed to that, but the fact of the matter is the Dodgers did. They have loads of talent. Bellinger, Peterson, Seager, um, Turner, Mookie Betts. I didn't even think about him. So so no, the Cubs don't have that type of talent. They don't have that type of consistency. They don't have a farm system that they continually funnel in to the big league squad and then still have the money to go out and get guys like Mookie Betts and, and sign Clayton Kershaw and and keep Walker Bueller, and all of these guys get Machado at the deadline a few years ago, and Granky and Darvish, and the list goes on and on. Um, with, with the type of market the Cubs are in, they're one of the few big market teams in baseball. The Dodgers are the epitome. The Dodgers are what you're trying to be. The Cubs had it in 2016. They even beat the Dodgers. Um, and it looked like they were heading that way. They're just not quite there. They need more consistency out of their offense in the playoffs. They need a better farm system that can keep funneling guys in. I mean, Gavin Lux, Corey Seager, Bellinger, these weren't guys the Dodgers just went and bought. The difference is the Cubs have had to use money to fill holes. The Dodgers have had no holes and used money to supplement. That's what makes the Dodgers so much better than the Cubs at this point. And that's why the Dodgers' window is still wide open, and the Cubs have to navigate this economic issue with baseball and the front office try to change leadership and also maintain playoff status but they haven't been good enough to win so they haven't gotten the draft picks to develop talent etc cetera, etc cetera. one domino hits another and the Cubs find themselves wondering what do we have to do to get back to that level where the Dodgers have stayed at that level for the last near decade so that's kind of where the Cubs want to be and this offseason is going to be huge to get there and I think uh, as as more news comes out, we're going to be talking, we'll be answering some of your questions over the offseason as the Cubs try to bridge this gap, stay competitive, but also open the window to a new era of Cubs success. But that wraps it up for your fan questions. If you have more, you know how to get a hold of me on Facebook, Twitter, um, of course, the Cubs HQ website as well. Um, we plan to be having some big guests coming in this offseason, getting back into the one a week episode every Monday. That's what we're looking for in this offseason. And thank you all for listening and being a part of the Cubs Corner. For now, that'll do it. As always, this edition is brought to you by Coach's Barn Grill and available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and, of course, the Cubs HQ website. But for now, thank you all for coming to the Cubs Corner.